Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, the days are growing shorter. It's getting darker and gloomier. We're coming to the end of the calendar year. We're also coming to the very end of the liturgical year. This Sunday is the second to last Sunday of Ordinary Time. In a couple of weeks, we'll be in the season of Advent, preparing for Christmas. The church's readings become darker this time of year. They're also about ultimate things, the end times, about the eschaton. Our reading for today, the Gospel is taken from the 21st chapter of Luke's Gospel. It's in the 22nd chapter that Luke begins his account of the passion and death of Jesus. So we're at the very end of his public ministry. Remember, it begins up in Galilee. There's a kind of Galilean springtime they talk about when Jesus was popular, the crowds were around him, he was performing miracles, preaching. And then at a key moment in all the Gospels, he sets his face to Jerusalem. He walks to the holy city, walking toward the Passion. We have now, Jesus has just come into the holy city at the end of his public life. Now, if you're one of his followers, this is all very natural. This is a man who's proclaimed himself to be the Messiah. He's doing what Messiahs were expected to do. At the culmination of their work, they were to come into the holy city. They were to become the new David, the new Solomon, to take control of the holy city and from that place to rule the gathered tribes of Israel. Good. Jesus is behaving here like a good Messiah, entering the capital city, Jerusalem, and coming to the temple. Imagine now you're one of his followers. You've been beguiled by this charismatic figure. You've walked with him through Galilee. You've journeyed with him. You've seen the enthusiasm of the crowds. And you imagine that he is going to be this long-awaited political figure. And now you've come up to the temple itself. I've often said this was the very center of life for a Jew in Jesus' time. The temple was the economic center. It was the cultural, political, and of course religious center of the nation. And it was certainly the most beautiful building anyone at that time, any Jew of that time had seen. Especially if you're one of these country folk from Galilee to come to Jerusalem, see this magnificent building, they'd just be overawed by it. And then to be seeing it in the company of Jesus, this great figure. Can you imagine what that was like? It would be like a young campaign worker for a presidential candidate who has just walked with that candidate through long years of campaigning, and he's been elected president, and now they're arriving in Washington, and they're standing outside the White House. That's what it must be like. And listen now, that's how the gospel for today opens. 
They were speaking of how the temple was adorned with precious stones and votive offerings. In other words, they were looking up at this most beautiful building they've ever seen, covered in jewels, and they're, they're filled with enthusiasm for Jesus. And then listen to what he says. Jesus said, These things you are contemplating, the day will come when not one stone will be left on another. It'll all be torn down. <laughs> Can you imagine the effect this had? People, they're scratching their heads. What is this all about? You're the Messiah. You've come to Jerusalem, as we'd expect. You've come to the temple. Your job now is to take over. Your job now is to move in, rule from this holy place. But, but instead, he looks up at this stunningly beautiful building, the symbol of all that's good and right, and he predicts it'll all be torn down. Imagine now you're this young campaign worker, and you've arrived with your president-elect, whom you've come to know and love, and you're standing outside the White House itself, and, he, and you say, what a, what a wonderful scene, how beautiful that we're here. And then he says to you, this whole building is going to be torn down. <laughs> what, what would you make of that? What would you think about that? You think either he's lost his mind, or I, I followed the wrong person. He's now breaking the rules of the script here. You know what comes to my mind with that White House example? Do you remember the movie... Independence Day, about the aliens coming and they're hovering over the great American cities. And there's one scene that stays in a lot of people's minds. When the alien spacecraft shoots the White House and it blows it to smithereens. And I think for a lot of us, it's, it had this sort of effect. It was, it was so shocking because the White House is it's the best of our political culture. It, it symbolizes our whole nation. And to see it destroyed utterly it's just unnerving. Well, heck, you're a Jew of Jesus' time. Even more so would you feel shocked by someone suggesting that the temple would be destroyed. Friends, here's something I've said over and again, and I say it over again because it belongs to the heart of the gospel, and it's because Jesus says it over and over again. Nothing in this world lasts. You know, I said it last week in connection with celibacy. Everything in the world is good, yes, but nothing in the world lasts. Everything in the world reflects God, but nothing in the world is God. The temple here in this gospel, I think, stands for all those beautiful, entrancing, beguiling, wonderful things that attract our attention, that draw the attention of the Spirit. And so we stand looking up at them. We stand attracted to them, beguiled by them. Some pop star, some cultural icon, maybe your image of the good life, maybe it's the, it's the big bank account, the impressive stock portfolio, 
It's that job. It's that building. One day I might be in that building. It's that office that one day I might aspire to. It's that house one day I might get. It's that nation, if you're a politician, that nation that one day I might rule. All these things are reflected, I think, in the temple. And they stand gazing up at it in wonder. And Jesus says to them, listen now, and to us, the day is coming when not one stone of that will be left on another. It'll all be destroyed. All those things I just mentioned, all the wonders of the world, one day they will be destroyed. You say, this is pessimism. No, it's not pessimism. It's the deepest realism. Show me where this statement is untrue. Show me in regard to any things I mentioned. Buildings, offices, jobs, bank accounts, stock portfolios. Show me where in regard to any of those things this is false, that one day it'll all be destroyed. The point is, again, do not Rest your life in these things. Reorient your life in such a way that the ultimate good is God. Then you will relate properly to all those other matters. But when they become God, and when you stand bedazzled by them, then your life is disordered. And this is why it's so powerful that Jesus the Messiah now at the climactic moment of his life purposely undercuts this worldly attitude, purposely pulls the rug out from under this attitude, that we might begin to live aright. Now, Christians, what should we expect when we order our lives this way, when we reorder our lives around the love of God, Storms and trouble is what we should expect. Again, appropriate for this end of the liturgical year, this darker time. Listen to Jesus. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, plagues, and famines in various places, and in the sky, fearful omens and great signs. Can I suggest a way of reading this? that applies more directly to us. Read these symbols interiorly. Christians, when you reorder your life according to Jesus Christ and the love of God, when you are convinced that nothing in this world finally lasts, and so you've placed your hopes in God, what should you expect? You should expect interior warfare. Are there interests and desires and powers in you that are focused on the goods of the world? Yes, yes. Think of all our ambitions. Think of all of our loves. Think of all of our aspirations for worldly good. When you say in your soul, none of these things lasts, oh, don't expect them just to go away quietly. Expect a fight. Expect that they will battle back. There'll be an interior struggle. You know, think of it this way. When two great weather systems come together, you have a high pressure, low pressure, and they meet. Or you've got very cool air and then very warm air, and they meet. Two weather systems, what happens? 
Storms, storms spring up. The air becomes unsettled. So in the interior life, when this new pattern of life centered on God meets the old way of being, centered on money and power and pleasure and so on, expect storms. Listen now what else he says. There'll be great earthquakes. Same idea, isn't it? Read it as an interior symbol. Earthquakes. The tectonic plates are shifting inside of you. New life is coming inside of you that causes earthquakes. Then listen. They will manhandle you and persecute you, bringing you to trial before kings and governors, all because of my name. That is a very accurate prediction, isn't it? We Christians will always be troublemakers in the world when we take this language seriously. Listen, when we stand like the rest of the world, bedazzled by the goods of this world, we cause no one any trouble. We fit right in. But when we say, no, no, those are not ultimate values. All those are fading. When we stand with our eyes fixed on God, not the goods of the world, expect opposition from the world. I spoke a few weeks ago about the 20th century martyrs. The last century, just a few years ago, was the greatest century of martyrs in the history of the church. Think of Maximilian Kolbe, Edith Stein, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Oscar Romero, Jerzy Papawuszko, all people who stirred up the anger and opposition of the world because their eyes were fixed not on the bedazzling goods of this world, but were fixed on the good of God. When we live that way, expect earthquakes and storms on the inside and expect opposition from the outside. A dark message, perhaps, but appropriate to this time of year. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.